Amen, amen, amen. I am so thankful that you are here today. I don't know where my wife, oh, there she is. And Bill, if we could get the lights, please. That would be wonderful. You need a light? I want to thank you all for being here today, and uh, as Kristen said, tomorrow is Veterans Day. It's also our 24th. We're becoming veterans of marriage, aren't we? So I know what we did 24 years ago tonight. We were having our anniversary dinner, and all of our friends. I'm getting a little ringing in the monitors over here. So I wanted to... Uh, I'll talk over here. How's this? Is it okay now? There we go. There we go. Is that better? Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Thank you all so much for being here. Uh, today's message is going to be a very unique title. In fact, even Austin normally comes in and I'm still getting some uh, ringing. It's you here, right? Or is it just me? Okay. It's in the mains. It's in the mains. Thanks, Dino. Here, I'm here. I'll fix it. All right, Sherry. Sherry will be my interpreter today. <laughs> we good now? Yeah. Testing one, two, 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 testing. I don't hear anything. There we go. Yeah. Hello. Walk over here. Good. All right. Testing one, two, 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 two. You know, I can preach without this, too. Just, yeah. I can preach loudly. <laughs> Is that okay? All right. Sounds good now. That sounds much better. So today's title is one of those very unique titles, and I think hopefully you'll probably never forget the title. In fact, my goal is that whenever you read through a very familiar passage, you will remember this title, and it's called Don't Kill the Rooster. And so Austin goes, Dad, is this really the title? I go, yes, son. And he's like, okay, I just want to make sure I uploaded the right PowerPoint on there. So we're going to be talking about Don't Kill the Rooster. Now, probably some of you are wondering, where are you going with this, Pastor Mark? But first off, what I want to tell you is that any time you mention somebody's name from history, something automatically pops up in, in your memory. In fact, this, uh, this month we're going to be the 50th anniversary of JFK, so there's a lot on the news about Lee Harvey Oswald and Jack Ruby and, and President Kennedy. But any time you mention one of those names, an image comes up to your mind. Throughout history, if I mention a great leader, I can mention Abraham Lincoln, an image comes to your mind. I could also mention some characters in, in, in history that, that didn't have good reputations, didn't have good characters, um, kind of things that are associated with them that you would not want in your family tree. You know, anytime we, we even still sometimes use the word Benedict Arnold, which meant that it, they had a, a traitor type of personality, they weren't to be trusted. But I want to talk about two of the disciples today, and one of them is Judas Iscariot. Now, Judas was the, the one um, who handed Jesus over, betrayed him to the Jews, and he was one of the 12 chosen disciples. But what's interesting about Judas is that his heart was never changed. His one and only mission in life was to gain wealth in this world. So as we look at Judas, we know that Judas was traveling with Jesus. He, he was chosen by Jesus. He, he saw the miracles that the other disciples saw. He probably heard the stories. He was probably talking to crowds that were like, wow, you get to travel with, with this rabbi. But Judas's role was to keep the money. 
So he was the money keeper. He, he kept the, the, the change purse, and, and that was his role. So he was more involved in the business side of ministry. Okay, if, if you're really going to break it down, he was the business manager of, the, of those 12 disciples. Okay. Except he never actually would let go of the things that were important to him. How somebody could travel three and a half years with Jesus and see the ministry, see the miracles, see all that was happening. Hear those conversations that weren't even recorded in the Bible. It's said that if everything that Jesus... Uh, the Bible contains so little of all of the teachings of Christ and miracles. It would fill volumes of books, they said, if, if everything was recorded. So Judas is traveling, but he has his own agenda, even though he's that close to Jesus Christ as Savior. He's traveling, he's, he's seeing, he's hearing. All the others are all, man, isn't this awesome? Look at the crowd. Look how Jesus fed 5,000 in this group with just this little bit of food. And look at what he did at, at, at the healings. But in reality, the whole time, Judas had his own agenda. Unfortunately, if you look at any size church, any size church, there are still those who have kind of a Judas relationship with Christ. They're just there to do the business side. They're, they're, they're just handling things, making sure that everything runs smoothly, and they're not experiencing God. You see today, and that was wor awesome worship, okay, God's presence was here. I don't know if you sensed it or not, but God's presence was here. You could be so concerned with the operations that you miss the manifestation of God, the presence of God. We have to have a heart that hungers after God enjoys that time in his presence. But anytime you're in any size church, whether it's a church of five or 55,000, there are people that are just going through the motions. They're going through the business side of it. They're making sure that everything's taken care of, but they really have their own agenda. They really could care less about what's happening on, on the, the, the spiritual side. And it's sad that those that are in the church even today reminded me of a scripture in Matthew 18 I mean Matthew 15 verse 8 because these people are going through motions but they don't have a heart after God Matthew 15 18 tells us these people honor me with their lips but their hearts are far from me Amen. I don't want that to be spoken of us Amen. that we honor him with our lips. Man, we're out there, we're talking, but our hearts are not seeking. Man, I want a heart that seeks after God. I want your heart to seek after God. That is my prayer for you, that in everything you see, do, that you would just seek after God's will for this situation, that you would go to Him first in every decision that you're making. When you are under struggle and, and trials, that you are going into God's presence and getting His peace and not getting peace from a person or a source or, or a, a news channel. We need to be so tied into God. Jesus had, Judas had his heart set on the things of this world, and those things were his God. And you say, you know, Pastor Mark, you're being really hard on Judas, but read the story. What did Judas betray him for? It wasn't a position. It was silver. That's what was important to Judas. You can see somebody's intention. You know, I've always taught my kids that your actions are going to speak much louder than your words. 
You can say all you want, but your actions, the people that see you on Tuesday afternoon or Thursday morning or, or Saturday morning, if you get awoken early, that's what they really see of your character. You can be all, bless thee thy child, bless thee thy child, all during the week, but you know what? Your family knows the real you. Your actions do speak louder. We have to not look at the gods of this world. We have to have a heart after our Father. Colossians 3.2 tells us this, Have your mind on the things that are above Amen. and not on the things that are of this earth. Amen. It is so easy to get your eyes on the things of this earth. There are so many things that will distract you. There is so much of a pressure from different agencies to form you, to form your opinions, to guide, direct, and lead you. They want to tell you how to think, what to think, when to think. And you're saying, no, 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 this is America, land of the free. There are agencies out there that want to control. They would love to tell you how to dress, when to drive, when to do this, how many children to have. That's right. yep. Oh, not here in America. Yes. Judas's heart was never able to see Jesus's heart. And it's really sad. Judas had every opportunity to repent. He had every chance, even like the thief that was on the cross with Christ, who at the very last minute realized the royalty of Christ and, and committed his life right there. Judas had that same opportunity. But even after he betrayed the Lord, he could not find a place of repentance. And as you know his story, he, he went out and committed suicide. I only pray that the people that are in churches today, large, small, that have just that Judas experience, they're just there for the money, or they're just there because it's a job, or it's just they're going through the motions, but their heart is not into that ministry. I pray that they will have a Jesus moment, just like the thief on the cross. The second disciple that I want to talk to also was chosen by Christ, also denied Christ, and it's probably one of my favorite disciples. Peter was a man that was used to getting what he wanted. If you read through the four Gospels, <laughs> Peter is in the middle of everything. Peter had this mentality, speak first, think second. <laughs> In fact, if you look at it, Peter's the only one that God really just said, be quiet, okay? Because <laughs> remember on the Mount Transfiguration, Peter's just like, oh, we ought to do this, ought to do this, ought to do this. And, and God had to interrupt him, okay? So when you, when you look at all the disciples, I, I really admire because Peter was outspoken. He was the first to react. He... He wasn't scared to get into a, a brouhaha, okay? I mean, he's the one that pulled out the sword when, the, when they were coming to arrest Jesus, remember? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. He was, he, it was go time. I mean, he had a quick trigger. I mean, you just, all you had to do is look at Peter wrong. And he's like, okay, come on, you know? So, so he's a very strong-willed individual. But Jesus still chose Peter just as he chose Judas. Now, I want you to think about something that you probably, it's, it's so obvious, but you may have never actually heard this statement. None of the 12 disciples, when they were chosen, were saved. That's right. That's right. Oh. That's exactly right. 
right. That's not blasphemy. These were fishermen. These were tax collectors. There was a doctor. These were ordinary men that Jesus went into their worlds and said, come and follow me. He didn't go into the uh, scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees and get the elite and say, hey, now that you've understood this, come follow me. He took everyday common yes, people. In fact, if you look at the 12 he chose and you were setting up a ministry, these would not be the 12 that you would choose, okay? Seriously. Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. He knew that. Judas was greedy, envious, money hungry. Simon Peter had a big mouth. James and John, sons of Zebedee. Probably got him in a few fights just because of that, right? You know, hey, sons of Zebedee, okay? They were called sons of thunder because they loved to fight. Now, if I'm setting up a ministry team, I'm not picking the people that are in barroom fights on Saturday night, you know, and it's trying to clean them up a little, spray some stuff on their breath for Sunday morning. I mean, we'd have a pretty tough church, you know what I mean? We had Matthew. Matthew is a tax collector, hated by the Jews, crooked politician. But he had to be because to get the position with Rome, he had to, there had to be money going back and forth. I mean, this was like a drug dealer at the time. He had money coming in, he had money going out. Nobody really knew all the exact amounts, okay? Two sets of books, three sets of books. There might have been four sets of books if he was an accountant. Jesus chose Matthew? Now the one that makes me scratch my head is Luke. Luke is an educated man. Luke is a doctor. How Jesus, I know the Holy Spirit was in this, but how Jesus talked Luke into joining this motley crew is really a miracle in itself. Because I could just see him showing up and was like, okay. You know, I'm going to take a pass on this one, alright? Because this group was a little rough around the edges. But they spent time with Christ. And as they spent time with Christ, they started changing. They started changing. And not only because they were turning their hearts over to God, they were turning their wills over to God. I think what happens a lot today, we have a lot of people that make decisions to follow Christ. And they turn their heart over to Christ in a prayer. But they never turn their will over to God as Lord. I'll give you my heart, but I'm still maintaining my will, God. You know, we have those books, The Strong-Willed Child. I had one of those. I'm not telling you which of the three, but I had one of those, okay? I could have added a few chapters to that book, all right? But eventually, that strong-willed child come to understand authority, okay? And because through love, through love, that child became authoritative, understanding, loving, respectful, Amen. obedient. God. And that's what love can do when we submit our wills and not just our heart. You know that passage earlier we talked about Matthew says, These people honor me with their mouths, but their hearts aren't there. It's kind of like dating somebody that you know doesn't love you, but it's just, hey, you're a free meal on Friday nights and Saturdays, and you're kind of fun to be around with. But we have no future together. 
How many of us have that relationship with Christ? You know, God, you're kind of okay to be with, and if I ever get sick, I want you there. But, you know, I've got a few years I want to do on my own. Come on. And isn't that a way of denying Christ just as some of these did? Jesus knew their flaws. He knew their attitudes. I want you to realize that if you read through the four Gospels and you pick out each disciple and you just read about them, just pick one of them out. Today I'm kind of highlighting Peter and Judas. I'll tell you that all of us fall into the category of one of those 12 disciples. You may be the loudmouth, the brute, the hey, I'm ready to go it in a minute. You may be the educated person. You may be the crooked politician. All of them had flaws. All of us have flaws. That's right. Jesus chose them. He chose them and he chose us even when we were lost, even when we were dead in our sin. You know, the passage that we went through with the spiritual blessings in Ephesians. Ephesians 1.4 said, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight and in love. He chose us. He called us to come and follow him. Among those 12 disciples, I think the most of Peter, to see not only where he came, but where he finished. You see, Peter had a struggle. If you study one of the disciples and follow him through, he struggled more than any of the others. He really did. He had highs, he had lows, and I mean, they were epic, okay? I mean, he had highs. He's the one walking on the water, and he's also the one denying Christ. We all struggle. Sometimes we're like, Pastor Mark, I want to do what's right, but I don't. We all struggle. I know that this is what the Word of God says, but this is what I do sometimes. We all struggle. I know that my Word should be speaking life, but we speak curses. We all struggle. He had a lot of changing to do before he became a true disciple of Christ. But he was willing to allow Christ to change his heart. Amen. And that is the key. Amen. He was allowing Christ to change his heart. You see, Judas never let Christ change his heart. That's right. If Judas would have changed Christ's heart, he would have not betrayed him. That's right. We must be willing to surrender our will, our goals, our very life to the call of Christ. Peter loved the Lord, and there's no doubt. Peter developed a loyalty to Jesus. I bet there were great conversations when they were walking the roads. He confessed that he would give his life for Christ. He was sitting also in the upper room that night that Jesus was arrested at later in the evening. And all of the disciples were there, including the one that Jesus knew was going to betray him. You know, I read that carefully because Jesus knew that Judas was going to betray him. He even sent him on. And then when you read in some of your versions, it'll say, and Saint Satan entered into him. Yeah. Jesus right. sensed that and dismissed him. And everybody else thought since he was the money keeper, he was going to go buy supplies. Remember, he was the business side of it. Jesus knew. I know that Jesus also felt pity for Judas because in Mark 14, 21, it says, The Son of Man is going to die as the Scripture says He will. 
But how horrible will it be for that person who betrays the Son of Man? It would have been better for that person if he had never been born. Jesus was feeling pity. He knew the outcome. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that Judas would eventually kill himself and that his blood would be spilled out on the land that he bought. He knew where he would be spending eternity. You don't walk with somebody for three and a half years and develop a friendship with them. I think Jesus was not only their, 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 their rabbi, but their, their, their closest friend. But Jesus also didn't fully understand what had to take, uh, what uh, Peter didn't fully understand what had to take place. And in his own power to fight, it caused Peter to speak up. Peter was saying, Lord, I'll never deny you. I'll die for you, Lord. Once again, Peter's always talking. And Jesus knew his heart and knew that Peter was going to go through and face horrific temptation. In fact, Luke 22, verses 31 and 32 said, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as if you were wheat, but I have also prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. See, Jesus knew that Peter was going to make it through, but he also knew that it was going to be a trial and ordeal. Jesus knew what laid ahead. Jesus knows what your tomorrow is. Jesus knows what your next week is going to be like. Jesus holds the rest of your year if he doesn't return between now and then. Amen. See, I always have a mindset that Christ can return any day. I truly believe that. Amen. If you spend time in the Word and you look at our headlines today and you look at the relationship with Israel, you look at everything that's happening, I truly believe that Christ can return at any moment. The rapture that's talked about in the book of Revelation. Luke 22, verses 33 and 34. He says, But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. Now we're sitting in church. We've had an awesome worship experience. You're probably hyped up on coffee and donuts right now. You're comfortable. Everything's just good. And you're like, you know, God is so good. Mark's going to preach short today. It's a beautiful day. I don't think any temptation is going to come my way. Let me reveal to you that some of the temptation is already out there in the parking lot waiting for you. Some of you might want to finish the argument that you started on the way here to church. And you've already got your three or four points ready because it didn't come to you on the way here, but now you've had time to sit, think, mellow. I was like, oh yeah, wait till I drop that little nuclear bomb on them. Some of us might face temptation this afternoon. It might be through the week, but we're all going to face temptation. Sometimes we're victorious and sometimes we fail. But how many times has it happened already when we've denied Christ? Maybe we've spoken something that we wish we would have never spoken. Maybe we go out to a restaurant and because of a, a waiter or waitress, 
we speak our mind, putting our Christianity aside, we treat them like just the regular world would. There was no patience, no mercy, no grace, no forgiveness. Just our opinions. Peter denied Christ three times. And when the rooster crowed, it reminded him. You see, when the rooster crows, it reminded Peter that he had failed. He had denied. Why I'm asking you not to kill the rooster is because in our lives, you may be hearing the rooster crowing about something in your life, and it's easier to kill the rooster. It's easier to kill the rooster than to repent. You see, when Peter realized that he had denied Christ, he wept bitterly. That's true repentance. He wept bitterly. There was a change in Peter. There is a true change in Peter. But how many of us are hearing that rooster crow and saying, you're denying Christ. This is not good. This is not good for your character. This is not the way you should be with your family. This is not the way you should be dealing business. This is not something that you should be looking at. This is not something that you should be reading. This is not something you should be listening to. You should not be looking at that person. You shouldn't send that email. That text is going to get you in trouble. And we're like, just shut up. <laughs> and that's what we do. In fact, let me tell you that the rooster is the Holy Spirit inside of us. The Holy Spirit inside of us is always working in our spirit, our mind, our conscience to say, look, this is not good. And sometimes it's easier just to shoot the rooster than to repent. Peter cried and begged for forgiveness. Have you ever felt like Peter? Have you ever thought, how could I have said such a mean thing to someone? Amen. I mean, honestly, where, where did that come from? That is not me. Mm -hmm. Have you ever treated somebody really horrible? And you, afterwards, after the whole ordeal settles down, you think, wow, that is not my characteristic. Amen. Have you ever gotten so mad and flew off at the handle at somebody that you really loved but at that moment, they didn't feel loved. We've all done this, ladies and gentlemen. We have all done this. We have all said words, done things, done something that we grieved ourselves afterwards, saying, that is not me. And that is when you recognize the rooster crowing and saying, I've also denied Christ. I am a reflection of Christ to my world. That's what the word Christian means, a follower of Christ. Yeah. We reflect Christ. We do not to reflect this world. We reflect Christ. Peter felt so worthless. He felt worthless that he fell and cried. What's the rooster and how does he crow? It is the Holy Spirit in us working on our conscience. I'll tell you, though, you can deny the rooster so many times Amen. that eventually you'll stop hearing it. That's right. You'll get used to the sound. Amen. You can get used to the sound. That's 
our daughter actually, because her room is over the garage, has a, a during the summer months, a, a, it's an indoor unit, but it's an air conditioner that feeds outside. And we had some air conditioning problems this, this summer. And so one night we had to spin, everybody rearranged upstairs, but Chris and I had to go upstairs and we slept in her room. This thing was so loud, I couldn't sleep. I mean, I saw every hour, this thing, at two in the morning. So the next morning, man, my eyes are just, I'm like, and I asked her, how do you sleep with that sound? She goes, what sound? She goes, oh, I get used to that. She goes, I love it now. You can get used to sounds. You can start ignoring sounds. The Holy Spirit can be speaking in your life, and you can deny it, deny it, deny it, and you can get comfortable in that denial until all of a sudden you don't hear that rooster crowing. And it can happen. It can happen so easily. I, I'm just going to, here, here's probably the easiest analogy of ignoring the rooster. Pick somebody that you know that used to be very faithful to Christ, who used to be in church every Sunday. Man, they were leaders in the church. They, they enjoyed God. They just enjoyed being around them. And now, they rarely attend or attend at all. Yep. You know why? They just kept ignoring the rooster. Kept ignoring, kept ignoring, excuse after excuse, and all of a sudden that became their new way. Take somebody who had an awesome prayer life, or spent time in the Word every day, and now rarely spends any time. Why? Because you can ignore the rooster crowing your life to remind you that Holy Spirit said, come back, come back to, the, to the, that walk that you had, come back to that relationship that you had. 1 Timothy 4, verses 1 and 2 says, The Spirit says clearly that in latter times, some believers will desert the Christian faith. And they will follow spirits that deceive, and they will believe the teachings of demons. Verse 2, These people will speak lies disguised as truth, and their consciences have been scarred as if branded with a hot iron. There can be teachers out there teaching falsehood. And you listen to falsehood, you listen to falsehood, you listen to falsehood, and all of a sudden it starts becoming a little bit of truth. And something that would have shocked you, now you're accepting. I've told you over and over, we are a society of acceptance now. Anything. If anything offends anyone... We, we should deny it. In fact, I saw on an editorial this week, on a sports editorial, that they said that we should stop playing the national anthem in front of sporting events because it offends some people. Everything offends people. And if we don't do anything, then we'll, we'll, we'll basically be sitting inside all day long until that offends somebody. And then, But we cannot be a society. No, we cannot be a church that's afraid of offending people. We need to love them but help them. That was better than one yes, Steve. We need to love them and help them. Can I get an amen? amen? That's what we're called to do. We're called to be salt and light. We're called to be light in a darkness. If God is speaking to you through this message, 
then thank God that you can still hear that rooster crow. Praise God. If you're saying, Mark, I know exactly what in my life that that rooster has been crying. I know where I've had some weaknesses, where I've been denying Christ, where I have not been treating others the way I I know the sin that's in my life. Amen. Then this message today is to wake you up and say, hey, Amen. you need to do what Peter did and have full repentance. Amen. And I don't, you don't have to cry bitterly but there needs to be a change because as you realize then as you read on Peter was never the same so it wasn't the tears that brought repentance it was his heart Amen. that brought repentance we need to change our heart if we're truly if there's any areas in our life hopefully you haven't been not denying so long that you don't even hear the Holy Spirit inside of you saying this is not right this is not good this is not the way but you can ignore it, and you can ignore it, and eventually you'll stop even hearing it. The great news about this whole story is that Jesus told Peter that there was hope, that Peter would make it through, Peter would struggle, Peter would face temptations, but he would make it. My message to you today is that you can make it. But there will be some struggles and there will be some temptations. Keep your heart tuned in with God. And anytime you read, especially through the Gospels, and you come to this passage about the rooster crowing, remember the Holy Spirit in our lives. Calling us back, calling us back, reminding us that we have denied, walked away from our relationship with Christ. The Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart today. For repentance with all heads bowed all eyes closed is there an area in our lives and I've told you I've prayed this prayer before but just say God would you search me and if there's anything in my life that is not pleasing to you would you remove it that's probably one of the boldest prayers you can ever pray But I think God loves prayers like that. You see, faith is not just believing that God's going to do what you want Him to do. Faith is believing that God is going to do what's right. And some of us have a faith that, God, I want you to do what I want you to do. And it's really surrendering our will, our heart, our life, everything we are to Christ. That's truly becoming a follower of Christ. Not just with your lips, but with your heart. I'd like to lead you in a very simple prayer. There's a line in that prayer, I don't know if you realize, but it says, change my life. And I know we go through it so quickly every Sunday. But if you know of an area in your life that you know has been denying Christ... When we come to that part, would that be your prayer? Christ, change my life. Fill me with that Holy Spirit. Would you repeat with me? Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I am a sinner and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to give me life. Please forgive me. Change my life. Change my life. Fill, me with the Holy Fill me with the Holy Spirit. 
I now confess Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I am saved. Amen. I pray that you got something out of this message today other than a catchy little title. And that any time you're starting to hear that rooster crow, you'll know, hey, that's the Holy Spirit in you saying, turn around, turn around. This is dangerous. This is not for you. This is not God's best. This is imitation. This is poison. Because it's out there. That's what makes heaven so wonderful. Heaven will be phenomenal because there will be no sickness, no lying, no disease, no stress, no worry. Yep. I was talking to somebody yesterday thinking, I don't know if we'll really understand what it means to live a life with no worry. Because unless you're two years old, you've been dealing with worry all your life. And to go into a presence of God where there's no worry, can we really comprehend that? To walk into God's presence and have no sickness in our bodies, complete strength, to feel like we're 12 again, woo! Is that even in your mentality? And that's what's waiting for us. See, this is not our home. Praise the Lord. But while we're here, Amen. we're going to grow together in the Word. Amen. And while we're here, we're going to stand together spiritually. We're going to be praying for each other. And as Kristen said, when those fiery darts come, we'll have the shield of faith up. I'm not starting another message, don't worry. Would you all stand? I'd like to dismiss you all. I also want to remind you that... We're going to be tearing down on Sundays ourselves, um, so we need your help as much as possible. Uh, Danny and, and Lane are in the back. They're going to kind of be heading up a lot of that for us. If you're available next Saturday at 4 o'clock, come and help them set up. It's just a great way to serve. Get to know other people. Let me speak a blessing over you. May the Lord bless you and protect you. And may the Lord smile upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. So go in his peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming. We love you so much.